tied for the most terrifying day of my life. I was what? Every other freaking day of my life. <laughs> How are you doing, you wonderful nerds? Scott here, and it is day 26 of Month of Monsters, a podcast about Scooby-Doo, where I, Scott, am watching Scooby-Doo 2 Monsters Unleashed every single day for the entire month of October. And I gotta be honest, the end is in sight, but it doesn't feel like it. It feels like it's still a chore, and uh, I don't know if I'm going to be able to get through it, but helping me get through it are some fun guests from the internet and today we have elsie of the youtube channel sappho of lesbos how's it going Hello. i'm so all right nice to, how are you yeah, i am doing great it's so nice to meet you we've i think we've interacted briefly on twitter and social medias before yes you've occasionally liked my tweets and i'm like yes person who has more followers than i do <laughs> <laughs> that remember that is all that matters and uh, i do flaunt that a lot. I'll, my, my very first interaction is, hey, I'm Scott. I've got, uh, you know, 475,000 followers on uh, on YouTube. And, uh, you know, call, I don't even think I have nearly as many on Twitter. So it's just, there's a difference there. But it's very crucial that you, uh, in this modern day and age, that you introduce yourself by saying your influence that you have on social media. For sure. Yeah. Well, thank you for being here. So what do you do if, for anyone who doesn't know, what kind of stuff do you make on the internet? Um, so I have a YouTube channel where I make video essays about, well, it's like about random stuff, but really all the videos are about feminism, I think is a good description of my channel. So like one of my most popular videos is a video called is Max Landis gay? Whoa, what, what's the verdict? Or no, no spoilers. Well, the, the, <laughs> okay. the, 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 the verdict is, why do I care about this? <laughs> um, and like the video is actually about like ah. our relationship with celebrities and how this affects our ability to take sexual assault allegations against them seriously. Ah. Um, so I think that's a pretty good example of my content. Yeah. No, I love it. That's fantastic. That Yeah, that's kind of... Uh, it's like posing a question to almost... It sounds bad, but almost like trick people into sticking around to learning about a broader, grander yes. idea, which yeah, no, I appreciate a lot. There's a, a good portion of comments of, of people being like, you know, not for nothing. I thought this was going to be a, a, a clickbait video, but this is actually good. And I'm like, thanks. <laughs> uh, do you also have the reverse comments where it's like, well, is he or isn't he? Why do I need to watch this whole thing? <laughs> well, I get people being like, don't you know that he had a girlfriend at this point? And I'm like, dude, I'm, I was obsessed with Max Landis. I'm fully aware of this. Right. <laughs> oh, boy. I, yeah, that's, uh, cause I, I do not, not similar in content, but similar in style where I will try to pose a question and then, um, people tell me that I, you know, it's a, I get a lot of comments lately when I'm making like 20 minute long videos of people being like, you could have summarized this in like 30 <laughs> seconds. And I'm like, but that's not interesting. I want to go on a big tangent about all these different things and ideas and yeah. It's trick. I always say that exactly. I'm exactly yeah. Like you're tricking for me anyway with my with the comic book stuff that I do. It's about like tricking people into learning through superheroes and pop culture stuff. So I definitely well, I want to trick people that. into learning about feminism. Yeah, 
Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm certainly not tricking people into learning about superheroes. I, I mostly just, I get them in with like, ooh, this has Batman in the thumbnail. Let's talk about how memories work. And I'll just, you know, talk about, that was one of my more, more popular videos back in the day was about how like, I'm fascinated with how um brains form memories. And so I was like, would Batman even remember the death of his parents? Let's talk about that sort of thing. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. But either way, we're not here to talk about that. No, we're here to talk about Scooby-Doo 2, Monsters Unleashed. And I have to ask, have you seen this movie prior to me asking you to do so? Um, I hadn't seen it all the way through. Okay. Um... So, like, it would play on, like, on TV sometimes. Um, I think I've seen the first movie. In fact, like, halfway through watching the movie, I was like, is this the one where the villain turns out to be Scrappy-Doo? Is that what's happening? Mm, Close. Wait, no. (laughs) Yeah, you have a a 50% chance of getting that correct, because there are (laughs) only the two of them. But, you know, I've said this before, like, the the movies do borrow a lot from each other, it seems, because the villain still is someone from their past who they, you know, pissed off in a previous story and so that's that's what scrappy was in the first movie and that's what jonathan jacobo was in this movie a prior scooby-doo villain who just wanted revenge but what did you think overall good movie best movie those are the two options (laughs) (laughs) um it's really weird it has like so much going on and i think that the twist works better in the first movie Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it's one of the things where I haven't seen the first movie since I was a child, but sure. like the twist where I'm like, it's Scrappy-Doo. I was like, this is the best twist I've ever seen. Um, <laughs> like, That's I'd fascinating. Watch, well, I'd watch yeah. the Scooby-Doo cartoons because um, they play on like Boomerang or Cartoon Network like early on Saturday morning. So I'd, I'd, I'd watch them occasionally. So I knew who like Scrappy-Doo was. Um and so to, like, have it be, like, this, like, minor, like, obscure character from the past, I was like, nice! Um, yeah. And and to be fair, uh, Jonathan Jacobo is, uh, did, like, was a cartoon villain. Like, the pterodactyl ghost was a real thing. Yeah. He wasn't called Jacobo, though. I think his name was just John or Johnny or something like that in the original. But s- far more um, obscure than Scrappy, who... Exactly. I feel like anyone who knows... Anyone who has a passing idea of what Scooby-Doo is knows who Scrappy is. Somewhat. I feel like Scrappy is a little obscure. Yeah? Um, because he's only in, like, the, like, the first season, right? Or, like... Yeah, he's in... He was in a couple other... Uh, not in... I don't think he was ever in where where are you yeah um, i think he was in later stuff i don't pretend to be a scooby-doo expert everybody listening at home i'm a scooby-doo enthusiast so <laughs> that means i get to get away with not knowing all the information but yeah i uh i, I don't that's interesting though that you because i remember not liking the twist from the first movie that it was uh scrappy because i don't think it was established as well um, I don't not not to say that this that that monsters yeah. unleashed established it well either because they didn't, but it was just I don't know it felt like uh it felt very both of them kind of felt like it was out of nowhere uh just like oh I guess that's the villain okay cool it it the entire movie is just like the most two thousand and four thing I've seen in a <laughs> while 
I'm, like, not convinced that the early 2000s actually happened. Like, I know objectively that they did. Yeah. But, like, I'm, like, I'm currently on a, a, a Stepford Wives kick, and they, they it also has an adaptation from 2004, and it's just, mm-hmm. like, why? Who thought this was a good idea? Like... Yeah. And there's just, like, this weird hubris about CGI in the early 2000s, where they're, like, convinced it's going to work, but it doesn't quite work yet. Yeah, because I feel like, I mean, at least with this movie, the mindset could have been, well, if it looks cartoony, Scooby-Doo is a cartoon. The kids will be fine with it. But, I don't know, the fact that they didn't... I've said this a bunch about this movie, but Mm -hmm. it feels... Like they were way too ambitious for for what they wanted to accomplish. Considering compared to the first movie, their budget was cut like by a quarter. Like they only had a quarter of what the first movie had about, um, and they decided to still do a ton of CGI monsters and like yeah, you, and- you could have cut back on a couple of the monsters and, and made some of them look better with that money. I also feel like some of the monsters weren't CGI. Yeah, some of them weren't. Uh, um, there, like there was the the tar monster and the ten thousand volt ghost and the skeleton man. I think those were all CGI yeah. and the pterodactyl ghost. Uh, but yeah, then there were um, the the people who were just actors in costumes, minor forty nine er and Captain Cutler, and uh, I think the Black Knight ghost was uh, real. And then I had some like puppetry in the helmet, which was hmm. which was nice. I do like when yeah. they try to do practical stuff like that. It's interesting. I think it adds to. I mean, it's also probably easier for the for the actors to to act against. I mean, can you imagine? Because I guarantee you, if it was made today, they would make all the monsters CGI. Because why would you put a person in a costume <laughs> when it's cheaper just to do a fully CGI thing? Um, and I feel like having like the the fight scene between Daphne and the Black Knight ghosts would be. Uh, I don't know. Having it be real and physical and have them actually fight was was a better touch than having it all be. A big well, but I feel CGI like they've mess. also gotten better about like knowing the limits of CGI and using it properly. Like mm-hmm. the show, um, sorry, excuse me, um, a series of unfortunate events on Netflix yeah. mm-hmm. has like a fair amount of CGI, but they're very good about how they use it. Mm-hmm. So like you can tell it's CGI, but you're like, this works aesthetically. I don't know why, but it does. Yeah. In that, yeah, that because that show does establish a really interesting um, aesthetic. Of, yeah. Of, yeah, there's a lot where you can tell it's, uh, there's a lot of green screen and it's kind of sometimes very obvious, but it's like, you know, it actually kind of fits with the, with like the world and like the way that, it, that it's stylized. Whereas I do feel like I do appreciate in these Scooby-Doo movies, the fact that they do build these um, big sets for people to actually be in the first movie more so because they had a bigger budget so they they built these enormous sweeping um sets of like yeah. you know a huge cave and like a, a gigantic hotel lobby this one was still pretty good i i still gush over wickles manor the uh little haunted oh, mansion yeah. i thought that-, that looked great that's like one of the few things i remember from the movie like watching it as a kid channel surfing is the 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 bit where they they get stuck in the balls and the balls sort of roll down the yeah the thing into the, and there's like the girl scout and the um <laughs> the christian missionaries yeah have you heard the good news yeah <laughs> there's cookies <laughs> i cannot do a scooby-doo voice to save my life i apologize everybody 
Um, but yeah, uh, I do like that. I do like that they were that they still used a lot of practical stuff, even though they because like even and this is something that everyone has uh, had a different opinion on. But the faux ghost dance number sequence uh, with with Scooby Doo and the kind of disco setup was very clearly a person just in a costume that they superimposed like Scooby's head over, mm-hmm. uh, which some people think looks really just like uncanny valley in the way that he moves and that's fair uh but i do think it was better for them to go that route than to try to do a fully cgi uh scooby so i'm glad that they at least knew that that was uh the better direction to take that even though that whole sequence could have been cut entirely and uh <laughs> wouldn't have made any difference on the I film feel like whatsoever. that's true of, like a lot of sequences <laughs> yeah my favorite is the the potions one <laughs> Where yeah. we have Scooby turn into a tentacle monster, and yes. also Shaggy gets forcibly feminized, and I'm like, whose yes. fetish is this? Who let them put this in a kid's <laughs> movie? I have, so I, I both hate and love that sequence the more that I focus on it. <laughs> the, the part that I hate the most now is the fact that Scooby does turn into a monster, and Jacobo's whole thing is he wants to make monsters. He has a potion that can do it. Why does he need to steal the costumes of the other... Like, you could just make monsters. Why go be all elaborate about it? Now, as much as I very much hate Shaggy getting, like, his face horribly tracked onto a woman's body... Um... I will say a fan pointed out that that is supposed to be a clue because, as we know, Jacobo right. can transform into, or he becomes Heather Jasper Howe, even her whole body, but not his face. He needs a mask. And so that is apparently the potion that does it because it's very similar with Shaggy, where his body changes, but not his face. So I guess that was a way of them trying to give us a clue like, ooh, take, you know, special note of this because this is how jacobo becomes heather jasper howe but it just i don't know it wasn't played in, in a way that made it seem like a clue and it's uh yeah. it bothered me a lot until a fan was like no i think that's clever writing and i'm like I, no I guess. if it had been clever it, it would have been that like when it was revealed you go aha right it all adds up now yes this i keep saying this but this movie I mean, the, the the idea of Scooby-Doo is it's supposed to be a good mystery at the end of the day. Yeah. And this movie's just not a good mystery. I think the real problem is there's, like, there's a subplot for each character. Yeah. And there's just a little too much going on because of it. There really is. And some of it is, like, very muddied and unclear. Like, I've still been trying to figure out what Fred's arc is. Because he talks about this, like, weird bit about masculinity about you know like oh it's talking's for wimps it's time for action and then later in the end the yeah. black knight ghost says the same thing to him and he's like you can't fool me with that macho facade you gotta embrace your sensitive side and it's like fred where is this coming from in your <laughs> in your whole arc i don't understand it yeah and then yeah you're right every everybody else gets like because i think arguably the two biggest for the gang would be Scooby and Shaggy's whole thing about being screw-ups, and then Velma has her whole big arc about needing to embrace who she is and, um, you know, go her, on a her date romance with subplot. Yeah, her whole romance with Patrick. Yeah. yeah. I didn't hate that. Yeah? 
I I have problems with Patrick, but we we can go into that. Well, like there's just nothing there as a character for Patrick. I I would say there's too much there that the, that they wanted to hit for because they were very much uh, trying to make him be the red herring of the whole yeah. thing so much so that it made too much sense that he exactly like it doesn't make sense that he wouldn't be involved because you know he keeps acting all funny and weird and, and creepy and spooky. Don't give and... an explanation for that. Nope. Because that plays into Velma's whole arc about she, she should learn not to always trust the facts and, and the reason and rational explanations. Just trust your heart. You know, as Patrick says, what does your heart say? <laughs> and that's supposed to be her explanation of, well, yeah. you know, cause it, cause at the end he comes up and he's like, Velma, I know I was acting weird, but I can explain everything. And she's like, there's no need. And I'm like, no, there's, there, there's a could, need. There's a need. I could use that. Appreciate yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. Cause like he even, he even gets dragged off at the end. Um, like after he saves her uh, from mm-hmm. that little walkway, then he gets dragged off by the pterodactyl ghost. And then no, there's no ramifications until he just shows up at the end of the movie. And it's just like, and I'm here now. And I feel like there must have been a deleted scene somewhere in there. Yeah, there's got to be. But they were, I feel like they were just asking his character to be, to do too much and to be too much. And because, you know, you want him to be the, the love interest, but you also want him to be spooky and scary and yell at people. And I don't know. It just feels, feels very confusing. Yeah, it's like this would work better if there were like two other characters that you were building up as possibly being the villain. And then like it then we get some kind of reveal because there's just no build yeah. up. Cause so they try to build up old man Wickles as, yeah. Cause they're like the whole thing about oh, who's, he's being framed by Jacobo or, you know, he's, you know, he's Jacobo's old cellmate. So they're friends and he's trying to continue his work and all that stuff. And then again, he also disappears from the film after the whole investor uh, sequence, which I think is hilarious. And it's, yes. it's one of those, it's one of those scenes that is specifically made for not kids. Cause I don't think kid, I, I didn't understand what was going on uh, in that moment when I was watching it, but I love the fact that it's very much a, uh, you know, we'll exploit child labor and we can make a ton of money. They will pay us for the privilege of, of mining for 18 hours straight. And then yes. uh, we can just reap all the benefits. And I'm like, that's the real monster of this movie. <laughs> capitalism exactly <laughs> that was the, the very second episode of this podcast with uh, with max um was called capitalism is the real monster and we discussed that so it's very much that is a very funny scene to me <laughs> yeah no I, I i there's there's a one-off joke um when like Velma's freaking out and uh like Daphne goes like oh that's just what dating is I can't yeah. remember the specifics of it but I was like she this was, is the best yes she was like because Daphne was saying that Velma was just scared of like opening mm-hmm. up and she's like and Velma was saying I'm not scared I've unmasked monsters and ghouls but at the end of the day I know that there's just a shrivelly a shrivelly old man inside and Daphne's like well, it's the same with dating. And I thought <laughs> yes. that was a great, a was great like, line. It's the best part of the entire movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then there's, there was another line 
that I that Daphne said almost like a couple seconds after that when they were just talking about how um you know Velma was scared to open up cuz she doesn't think that she's the person that Patrick thinks that she is is kind of confusing but Daphne said something I keep forgetting to write it down but it's something about how like um dating or or love is about hiding all of your flaws so that the other person doesn't see them or something like that and I just thought like what is that is that is that a joke message or a sincere message of this movie yeah and it like kind of undercuts fred's arc because part of fred's arc is like opening up to daphne and like yeah is there like a similar type thing that daphne is supposedly going through so uh, the only thing that i could understand about daphne's arc and it took me a couple weeks to get this Mm -hmm. um right at the beginning of the movie when they're at the museum, um, she Daphne tells Shaggy and Scooby that image is everything. And those three words, I think, define everything that Daphne does in this movie. Because yeah. she tries to protect Fred from talking to the press too early, um, to, to protect the image of Mystery Inc. She tries to help Velma um, become that mysterious jet setter that, that Patrick thinks she is by like, you know, giving her a makeover because image is everything. And yeah, I feel like that's, that's more so her arc, but it is kind of, yeah, it's muddied a little bit by when Heather Jasper, Howe tells her that, Oh, Daphne, you're just the pretty face of the gang. And then she kind of has doubts about herself and she kind of has that whole exchange with Fred about, am I just a pretty face? No, I mean, yes. I mean, <laughs> not fat. Definitely not fat. Is that kind of what you're going for? And that is a fairly awkward exchange, I think. But good on them. I, I don't know. It feels those two characters, Fred and Daphne, are the two that I feel like their their arcs are the the most unclear. Of yeah. The group. yeah, it's sort of like they they were like, we need to give these characters something to do. Yeah, because even even at the end, Fred says, like, right after they unmask uh, the evil masked figure, which I will not get over the fact that that is the actual villain's name. (laughs) All the other ones had great names, you know, the the 10,000 volt ghost and the pterodactyl ghost and the cotton candy glob. Like, they're fine names. The main villain, evil masked figure. Cool. Good job, gang. Did that test well in marketing? Um, But they... Right after they unmasked him, her, him, I, I don't know. They, uh, they, Fred says something along the lines of, you know, I always thought the attention was the best part. Guess I found something better. And then he and Daphne kiss. And I just, I feel like, again, that was like a part of an arc that I didn't quite get from his character. You know? Yeah. And it's like they were already together at the beginning of the movie, too. Yes. In fact, I'm currently reading through the novelization of the movie. Uh, that's how in-depth I'm going with this. Uh, I haven't, it's so short, but I haven't even bothered to, to read through <laughs> it. Um, I, I think I've only read a couple chapters. But in the first paragraph, it says uh, that Fred and Daphne are actually engaged at that point. Huh. So it's never stated in the movie at all. And they're not really much of a they don't really seem to be much of a couple i think other than a couple of times i think daphne ref- like just calls fred babe or something like that yeah. early in the film but that's really it and then of course at the end they they do a little 
kiss for, you know. <laughs> because they have to. It was established yeah. in the first movie that they got together or something like that. Not that they, I, I, there's not really a lot of crossover between the two films. Like it doesn't feel like a franchise. It just feels no. like two separate, two separate stories. But yeah. But you know that's in, that's in keeping with Scooby Doo. That's how Scooby Doo works. Exactly. That's right. Every episode is. You don't need to know what happened on the previous episode. You just tune in. You know how. You know Scooby Doo. You know the plot. Get in there. Catch some ghosts or whatever. Except for the best Scooby-Doo series, Mystery Incorporated. Ooh. Yes. I love Mystery Incorporated. That That is such a good uh, series. A previous guest of the show was um, a, a person who had written a couple episodes for that oh, series. Oh, wow. Yes. And I sound like such a horrible person because I have already forgotten his name. And oh, no. I, but it's just because I'm bad with names. It's not because he's I, he's great. Um, uh, Scott, future Scott, edit this out. Oh, geez. Oh, no. Um, but no, it's I love that series. And I loved uh, picking his brain about um, how to write for I mean, I, specifically how to write for, uh, you know, that kind of my favorite part about Mystery Inc. If I can just gush about it a little bit. And uh, I love the fact that it was a mix of sometimes it would be a person in a costume and sometimes it would be an actual paranormal threat. Um, And I thought that was interesting because you never knew what you were going to get each week. It could be actual world ending, universe shattering, Lovecraftian sort of monsters. Or it could just be like a person who just wants revenge on some people for making fun of them or something. Yeah. It's just, you know, it ran the whole... The whole spectrum of, of what Scooby Doo like could be. The, the way that Fred is written in Mystery yeah. Incorporated, where Me like too. Daphne's like, let's make out, and he's like, but traps. Yes. <laughs> I that is my favorite interpretation of Fred is yeah. modern Fred. Because old school Fred was very boring. He was very bland. He was more so just the leader uh, you know, that they needed on the team. Modern Fred, obsessed with traps. Yes. Almost sexually aroused by traps like i think was it that series where daphne found a magazine under his mattress yes. that was just like traps <laughs> i love it and i love their dynamic where it's yeah like they're they're a couple but but she, i don't know like he doesn't appreciate it he doesn't really know what to do he's just yeah. he knows he's more comfortable in the world of trapping monsters than he is about you know opening up and you know which is like the same arc as this movie. It kind of like, is. <laughs> actually done well? This movie doesn't even have... Because at least the first movie, the first live action movie, had them trying to do... Like put convenient... Not convenient. Uh, mm-hmm. What's the word I'm looking for? It's overly dramatic... Uh, traps together where it would be you know they'd be like oh this will trigger this and then that'll do that and then this monster will be trapped here and then we'll hit him with this and you know it was very elaborate and then uh this this movie the way they capture the monsters in the end is the monster just kind of trips and gets caught on something like there was no trap aspect to uh to fred yeah, and, I, and th- they also were like, we're not going to use the, like, proper lines. Yeah, like... <laughs> or like when, when Velma loses her glasses, she doesn't right. say the line. She doesn't say, I, my glasses, glasses, I can't see I can't anything. I can't see without my glasses. 
Did you know? And I, I always meant to do, make a video about this because mm-hmm. I did, I did one Scooby Doo video ages ago, and it did really well. And I want to go back into doing more stuff like that. Um, I believe, and I, I have to verify this. So everyone, take this with a grain of salt. Um, but I believe that line was because the original actress who played Velma wore glasses. And they were at like a table read and I guess she dropped her glasses or they were just, she didn't have them on. And she said the line like, ah, hold on, I, I, I can't see without my glasses. And they were just like, oh, that's fun. Let's put that in. Let's write that into her <laughs> character. And that's how that iconic thing came to be. Again, I could be absolutely wrong. That could just be one of those internet facts that somebody made up that sounds true. Yeah. But but I think it's it's pretty interesting, I think. But like, does she even say... Maybe she, I think she does. She mm-hmm. says jinkies at some point, right? Yes. Okay. I think so. Cool. There was a deleted scene. I watched a bunch of deleted scenes mm-hmm. for this after somebody sent them. There was a scene where she, right after she was being chased by the skeleton men at the end um, to like distract them as Shaggy and Scooby bring the disc thing uh, to the control panel, whatever. Um, she's being chased by them and she gets like pinned down and they like start shooting like bits of their rib cage at her. It's very weird. And they just make like yeah. an outline. They just make an out, like she's pinned up against a wall and they just make an outline of her. So they kind of miss, do like that, you know, classic cartoon, yeah. like all around. And then she just delivers like the best jinkies possible. And I'm upset <laughs> that they didn't put that in the movie. <laughs> it's very good. But even speaking of like, you know, Daphne, I feel like her, her line, cause everyone's got like a jinkies or a zoinks yeah. or split up and look for clues, which even Shaggy gets in this movie instead of Fred. Uh, Daphne has jeepers and I don't think they use that in this movie. I don't think they've used it in any of the live action movies. Well, it's less iconic. Yeah, it is. I agree. And they didn't even say the meddling kids line. And that always gets me. Yeah. Like, uh, well, they said, did they not? Did no, they say, not say they say something similar. Similar. Like, yeah. they don't call them kids. You like meddling hoodlums or something. Oh, yeah, like meddling punks or meddling. Yeah, yeah that, that sounds right. Like that. I think that's, yeah, that's interesting. Oh, boy. It's like they were very close. They were very close to getting a couple good things in here. I'm, I'm just glad it isn't like a dark reimagining of Scooby-Doo. <laughs> Well, that's what I, I keep pitching. If they were going to do a third one, it would be the same cast, but the plot would be, you know, Scooby's an old dog. He died. And that's what brings the gang back together. <laughs> and it's like a Logan-esque, like them on the road solving one last mystery, one last ride sort of a thing. I mean, I'm like a bunch of the, the actors are like actual actors who can, can act. So like you yeah. can do that. I just, I would love to hear Matthew Lillard do Shaggy's voice in a, in a super dark, serious yeah. setting. Like, cause you have Freddie Prince Jr. Who, who could just deliver these lines about like, we have to split up and look for clues. That sort of a thing. And then you just be like, yeah, zoinks. It's just, you, no matter how much you do, you can't put that voice in a very serious setting. But I don't. Well, actually, I say that, but there was another deleted scene where Matthew Lillard and uh, Scooby Doo have this super sweet, super sad heart to heart about like uh, this movie got really sad at some parts because there was another part around the same time period um, mm-hmm. or the time, the part of the movie, you know, yeah, uh, where where Fred and Daphne are laying down on the ground and she's like, "So this is it, huh?" 
It's like, oh, yeah. okay. Are they going to die? And it was a very <laughs> similar thing with, with Sh- uh, Shaggy and Scooby that got uh, deleted where they were just having this heart to heart about like, I love you, Scoob. And all this. And it's just like, wow, this is like way too sad for this movie. I, But, you know, props to Matthew Lillard. He was able to to at least take that Shaggy voice and try to make it sound uh, kind of sad and serious. So... Good on him. I like that guy. Yeah. I like the overall cast of this movie. Yeah, no, it's like a surprisingly good cast for what the movie is. <laughs> yeah, I, I do like the phrase for what the movie is. I mean, yeah, for what they were given. They're, they're, they're doing pretty good. No, I just mean like this is sort of, you know, a children's movie that gets played on, on on Cartoon Network at odd hours of the yeah. night. But it has like Sarah Michelle Geller in it and um the girl from Clueless and like it's just sort of Yeah. Why why are there this many famous people in this movie so bad? <laughs> <laughs> well I feel bad for for Alicia Silverstone because yeah. not only not only was she she in this, but she was also like previously in uh uh Batman and Robin, which is the Batman yeah. movie that kind of broke everybody. Uh, so I feel like I feel like she just couldn't catch a break for a little bit, which so which is terrible because I do yeah. like her. Yeah, I, and, even, and whenever I see Velma in this movie, I'm like, "Hey, it's that woman from Mad Men." Yeah, <laughs> yeah, she's great. I as a comic book nerd, I'm like Hawkeye's wife from Avengers: Age of Ultron. <laughs> But I mean, I know <laughs> most people would say like, oh, freaks and geeks or, or something yeah. like that, which I've not seen. So I feel like that's uh, on my bucket list for sure to check out. I actually haven't seen a lot with any of these. I feel like I just know these actors based off of what they've been in, but I haven't actually seen a lot of what they've been in. Like even Buffy is not. I remember watching a few episodes when yeah. it came on, but I never sat down and watched the whole thing. So I feel like I got to do that feel like i owe it to my nerd uh i've i've had previous I'm like that way with like lord of the rings i've never yeah. seen or read any lord of the rings books mm-hmm. yeah Ooh. i i'm actually i so i watched lord of the rings when it with the movies when they first came out and i've not seen them since so i don't remember them like really at all um but i told a friend of mine that who's a huge tolkien fan um, that I've never read any of the books and she would not let me leave her house before giving me the Hobbit and fellowship of the ring. And so I'm <laughs> nice. a little past halfway through Hobbit and like, I don't know if anyone knows this, but it's like really good. <laughs> <laughs> Am I just discovering this? Am I just discovering how good Tolkien is? You're welcome world. <laughs> nice. Uh, it's that's been my, uh, my break from, from scooby-doo is is reading other fictional universes that are written maybe a little bit better like i'm reading through the novelization of the film of scooby-doo 2 monsters unleashed and then like i will also like in the same day put it down and just pick up the hobbit and be like oh these could not be more different stepford wives is a really good book i read it in like three sittings during midterms oh Um, wow and it's super short yeah, I, I feel like I missed out on a, I was never a big reader um, growing up at all. I always hated, I mean, I read a lot of comic books, but yeah. you know, they got pictures in them. So I don't, I, I would still say as like 
that counts as reading, but it's definitely a different type of reading than looking at the words and trying to imagine the, uh, you know, the, the scene that you're seeing out in front of you. It was just easier for me to read that kind of comic books instead of, um, yeah, traditional books. And I don't know. I, I, I feel like I missed a lot of, a ton of books that I, I feel like I need to go back and educate myself on because I mean, now that I'm, I'm diving into the Hobbit and I'm like, wow, reading is fun. I like this. (laughs) Yeah. It's really great when you're not being forced to read things for school. Yeah. (laughs) I think that's what it is. I think it was, you know, being, being told that I need to read uh, a bunch of books that I had no interest in uh, made me as a very defiant, you know, middle school high school kid like this sucks i hate it i will say though i i do i have read a lot of non-fiction i read a lot of anything that involves like history yeah or like uh i read a lot of science or philosophy that stuff is interesting to me i don't know why it's easier for me to read than like anything that has characters and a plot and i, I don't know it's just weird for me to dive into there and be like ah, i have to like imagine this whole fictional world and <laughs> but well, i feel uh, like it's like easier to mess up writing fiction than it is to mess up writing nonfiction. yeah yeah i mean you still you can still mess up writing nonfiction, definitely oh, sure. but like with fiction, like it, it takes a certain amount of craft, and there's only a few like books that are actually really good. Yeah, that's that's true. I because I I feel like for me a lot of what I do for um, the internet is I I do a lot of historical videos about like yeah. how how certain characters were created and and stuff like that. Um, and I'm I'm turning that into a book about the history of comic book characters and, and oh, cool. hopefully hopefully people will like it i think it's fun i'm um, obsessed with the history of wonder woman me too that's one of the videos that i have not yet um completed because it, there's just so much there that i don't want to miss out on anything and it would be like it would be like two hours long yeah that video uh, I, I, you must have read the secret history of wonder woman i sure have i love it's- it yeah, no, it's like one of my favorite nonfiction books. It's so good. Yes, that one. And um, there's another one along the same lines. I have two of them that I pull a lot from. Uh, it's The Secret History. That wasn't... Who was that one by? I don't know if you Jill remember. Jill Lepore? Yes. So there's another one by, I believe, uh, a guy, Tim Hanley. And I can't remember what that one's called. Um, but that's another book about the, the history. So the... Jill Lepore's book is, is way more in depth, yeah. um, which I, which I appreciate. Um, they both kind of tackle a couple different subjects. And of course there was the, the Although movie. Although I do question, she, she portrays it as though, um, Halloway and what was his other wife's name? Oh, shoot. Uh, well, he, she portrays yeah. it as though the, the two women hated each other, which oh. like, cause like there's the whole thing where um, she very much portrays it as though Marston is like, either you accept that she's going to be here or we're getting a divorce. Right. Um, But if you read the book, it's like, yeah. And then his two wives lived together for like the next 30 years. Yeah. Like they, they clearly cared for each other. Yeah. You know, it's, yeah, that is that is a big part of 
diving into those history books is sometimes the authors will just have their own idea of what it must have been. Because like. even I made a video recently that um, debunked a uh, of like an article from and from someone who wrote a book, a, like a big prominent book about Marvel and DC and their history mm-hmm. together as rivals. And like they prior to that or around the same time, they also wrote an article about a part of that history that I was like, Hey, this is wrong. This is uh, <laughs> like pretty much, I mean, it's, it's, it's a conspiracy theory that you could peddle. And I guess I couldn't disprove it, but like, boy, yeah. is it way easier for me to say, no, this is the real explanation behind this whole thing. And so I was just like, you know, I'm kind of disappointed in this author. He has a book that everyone, I, everyone who's read it says that they love it. And it's very like, you know, accurate, historically accurate. But here I am being like, Hey, this, uh, this article you wrote, it's kind of trash, yeah. man. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I, I do love, um, Wonder Woman's history. I keep teasing that I'm, that I'm going to do like a, a three part series about Wonder Woman someday. <laughs> it's just, it's so overwhelming, you know? And I mean, the afterword of the book, Jolapur is like, people keep asking me, like, what was he like? And I don't know. <laughs> yeah, you can only read so much into that. But uh, that, if anyone doesn't know, if anyone listening is, is curious about uh, William Moulton Marston. Uh, and and his whole life uh, and how Wonder Woman was created. Definitely go check out. Uh, well, that book and there's another. I can't remember. The, it's on my bookshelf, but it's turned away against me. <laughs> from from uh, Tim Hanley wrote a series about another one is about um, Lois Lane, who has mm-hmm. another great history that I need to dive into and make a video about, uh, which is very sad. And, uh, and then there's a third one in there another i think it's catwoman um so he Mm -hmm. writes a lot of great histories of those uh characters and uh yeah they're both great and did you see the movie the professor marston and the wonder woman like the first half of it and i was like this is okay i guess yeah i saw it in theaters and i Mm -hmm. was i was positive i was gonna be the only one seeing it uh (laughs) because i live in dallas and i was like this is not going to appear appeal to the to the texas crowd and uh but surprisingly it was a pretty packed audience and i was like oh yeah heck yeah uh yeah it it was interesting to say that there was i mean obviously with a movie like that you're gonna take liberties here and there but i just i don't know i got a kick out of seeing a lot of prominent um figures in the comic book industry be portrayed on screen i was like wow that's that character. That's that guy that I read a lot about. It's fun to see that person. Like, yeah, I don't know. It was, yeah, it was just cool it to really see that. really interesting how they take... So, um, William Marston's second wife was, like, super butch, according to the book. Like, we have... There's, like, photographs in the, the center of the book, and she's she's a boyette. Um, and then the movie, she looks, like, very, like, conforming to the times. Yeah. Uh, dressed. I thought that was, like, an interesting choice that they clearly made. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's that is interesting, man. I gotta dive into that again. I, I yeah, I I love that history. I love I uh, I the, I've had so many people telling me because I years ago I think it was yeah. at least one or two years ago I was like I'm gonna do this whole like series about Wonder Woman's history and I just have never 
do been it. able to it, I've never been able to do it because I don't even know where to start there are so many books about it I feel like I would want to cover that entire book and <laughs> I feel like I would it would just be way too long or I would have to cut stuff down and uh, I, I mean that's talking yeah. to some comic book historian and um talking about wonder woman he's like well the origins of wonder woman means that we're never going to get a good wonder woman movie and i was like what no uh, like the origin of her character in yeah, canon in the comics that, like because because if you read like the early wonder woman comics it's a lot, yeah. a lot of bondage yes there's a lot of yeah for sure there is um <laughs> but no it's it's that's the thing about Wonder Woman is that her origin has been uh, changed like constantly yeah. over over the years so that they can try and make something that feels like unlike Batman or Superman where their origins are very like this is how this character came to be. And we can like play with a couple of the details, but the overall thing is true. Wonder Woman has just been straight up rebooted, you know, time and time again until yes. they came up with something that was like, uh, now she's a people spy. Will go with this. Yeah. <laughs> Who knows karate? I just like yeah. the fact that like Wonder Girl only exists because a comic book writer like misinterpreted the cover of another comic. Oh, I didn't even know that. That's okay. fascinating. So like it's the Silver Age, right? Um, yes. And so like there's like a couple of Wonder Woman comics where it's like Wonder Woman with herself as a child and herself as a toddler and they go ad- on adventures, the three of them. Wow. And so when they were coming up with Teen Titans, they were like, some comic writer was like, oh, okay, Wonder Girl's a character. Let's, you know, throw her in here. But she isn't really. She's just Diana, but as a teenager. That's fantastic. That, you know what? That makes me upset because I'm literally doing a video about the history of, like, the... Yeah, the comic book history of like Teen Titans and how they yeah. came to be, and I didn't even know that. Well, I'm focused because I'm focusing more on like the revival, the new yes, Teen the, Titans with, uh, with like because like the original Teen Titans are not what people think of when you say Teen Titans, right? They the book didn't sell very well; it was canceled pretty quickly, and I think the only characters that that were kept from the original team for long periods of time were Robin and Wonder Girl. Like Kid Flash yeah. was in there for, for a couple issues, but Marv Wolfman, who was reviving it, was like, he's too powerful to need a team. Why would he need a team? <laughs> He'd have to wait for everyone else to get there to, to stop the crime. He would just do it himself. But, yeah, and it's interesting the degree to which like um the Young Justice TV show resembles like the early Teen Titans roster yeah. because you have like Red Arrow, um sorry, Speedy yeah. Yep. I and Kid Flash and Aqualad. Aqualad. Um, yeah, there was. That's yeah, that's fascinating because I know not to give away my my whole video that hasn't even come out <laughs> yet, but like a big part of that, um, like the, the when they did the revival uh, of the team and they got rid of all those original characters. Marv Wolfman, who was who was doing it, was saying. Uh, yeah, number one, he thought Kid Flash was too powerful to need a team, so he was going to be gone after a couple issues. Then uh, he thought Aqualad was too dependent on ocean stories, which is a criticism that people still say about Aquaman these days. Lame. Even though I love Aquaman, he's my favorite superhero. So there. Uh, and then he th- and then he also said that Speedy couldn't do anything that Robin couldn't already do, and he- Robin <laughs> was a more interesting character, so he got rid of uh, Speedy as well. And I, I mention all this in my upcoming video and i'm like i just want to be clear those were marv wolfman's thoughts don't (laughs) yell at me in the comments about that (laughs) yeah nice 
I don't even know how we got onto topic talking about this topic, but I'm glad we did. This is my wheelhouse. I love comics and superheroes. Yeah, no, the the other night at like three in the morning, I referenced um Death in the Family, and my yeah. roommate was like, Who's Jason Todd? And I was like, Well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Let me tell you about the history of all of the Robins that there have ever been. <laughs> I Jason Todd's history is fascinating, and I made a video about this ages ago. Yeah. Uh, and I don't remember. I, I don't know if you're. I I make so many like videos about history that I, as soon as the video's done, it immediately leaves my mind about like all the intricate details. Because yeah. I'm like, well, it's up. I can always just rewatch my own thing later if I need to refresh my mind. But I, like, I remember like. His whole thing, a part of that was the writers like aged up um, Dick Grayson, but the the fan base still wanted a Robin, so they kind of just made a character that was very similar to to Dick Grayson. Uh, in oh a lot yeah, of ways. I mean, yeah. pre Crisis on Infinite Earths, Jason Todd is also the child of acrobats. That's right. Yeah, they're the the yeah the, <laughs> the they, they're I think they're also called like the flying uh, whatever. Yeah. Except instead yeah, of like a random bandit, cons. it's like Killer Croc who yeah. killed his parents. And then after Crisis on Infinite Earths, they were like, that's stupid. Yeah. Let's have him be a street urchin. That's right. Yeah, that was so bizarre. And yeah, they basically just made a comp- like a composite copy of of uh, of uh, uh, Dick Grayson. And yeah. then they did the, the big arc where... He it was going to be a mystery whether he lived or died. Yes, by, you by have the to Joker's call hands. in. You had to call in, and then and there was, and then there's a I think unconfirmed conspiracy, but widely believed to be true that, um, or maybe it is confirmed. I don't know. I can't remember. I I, I had heard that it was it was fully a rumor and that there was no basis in fact. Okay, but the the idea is that it was skewed because somebody called in like a ton of times yeah. voting, voting for him to die. Well, I think the specific thing is that like they had like programmed a computer to call in a bunch of times or something yeah. like that. Yeah. Because um, it's is, the 80s and they're like, computers are magic. Yeah. <laughs> Which is very bizarre. Uh, if that's true, then like that person had a huge impact on, on comic book I mean, history. It's like, well, like, yeah, that could happen. That's something a comic book nerd would do. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know, but I feel like comic book nerds are so resistant to change that they'd be like, no, don't kill anybody. Everyone <laughs> stays. Well, or if like, they're if already an, dead, don't bring them back. If it's a, an annoying character, then it's like, yeah, no, kill him. That's true. I don't think anyone cared for, yeah. for him when he first was around. I feel like Jason Todd is a lot more interesting as Red Hood. Me too. And even I then, he's only Hood. interesting like half the time. <laughs> I like it. He's one of those characters where I like the design of Red Hood so much that yes. I will over, I will overlook how he can be boring sometimes. And I'm like, it was ah, a it's good so cool. movie, the like Red Hood movie. Oh yeah, I lo- a lot of people say that like they're the best animated Batman movie is like Mask of the Phantasm, mm-hmm. and that's a great one. But to me, Under the Red Hood, I just yeah, love Under that the Red story so much. It's a good mystery. Unlike yeah. Scooby Doo Two, <laughs> Monsters Unleashed. <laughs> Has anyone else brought up the the fact that like maybe Scooby Doo is in blackface in this movie? No, wait. I think somebody brought it up that it was kind of racist, but they didn't elaborate on how. But that's is it, I mean, it's, if it's the dance sequence. The right? dance sequence. He's wearing an afro. Yeah. 
So, like, there's clearly supposed to be the implication that he's disguising himself as a black man. That's true. But is it blackface if he's a dog? These are good questions <laughs> that I need answered. There's a lot of weird nuance with Scooby-Doo that's, that's hard to... I think the previous episode we were talking about if the gang... Uh, if the mystery ink gang are, are murderers because they killed all the monsters at the end, which, which clearly had their own like sentience and life and voice and stuff. Hmm. So weird ethical, weird ethical questions there. But yeah, the, I don't even know where to begin on answering if, yeah. <laughs> if it's black. I don't know either, but I was like, that's weird. It is weird that they would do that specific costume because like shaggy was just dressed as literally just himself with like a hat on yeah. and a gold tooth like that's all it was scooby was like yeah the, uh, it's really just the afro <laughs> that's yeah. the choice that that's like hmm curious curious about that and you know it's like it's very 70s and if Sco- if scooby had hair it would like be that color hmm so yeah. i don't know lots of questions yes leave us your thoughts about <laughs> this specific thing if you've i i tell everyone to leave uh itunes reviews uh about specific things if you've already written a review i'm pretty sure you can edit it and just just edit it to say whether you think that's <laughs> racist or not i would appreciate it if if not for anything else it will very much confuse new people who discover the podcast yes. like, oh let me see what the reviews say and then it just talks about scooby-doo and, and racism so that would be interesting uh, <laughs> I appreciate all of you who uh, who actually do leave the reviews. It's a fun time, and we'll get the we'll we'll read them off, which is uh, very fun in a future episode. So Exciting! Stick around for that. Well, I feel like this has been a very fun conversation about kind of Scooby Doo, but also a lot of uh, yes. comic book stuff, which I appreciate because I don't get to talk about comic book stuff a lot with people. So thank you for, Anytime. for being here. <laughs> That's what we'll do. After this podcast ends, we'll just start our own about comics and superheroes. That'll be a fun time. Well, I might time. be starting a podcast with Max, so that's exciting. <gasps> really? Yes. Are you allowed to talk about what it's about? Yeah, well, well, I mean, it's like one of those things where we're like, this would be a cool idea. Let's do it, I guess. Um, yeah. Uh, so I'm obsessed with The Handmaid's Tale. Oh, I still got to check that out. It's it, the, the the book, not the TV series, but like I... I, I Either one, because as we established earlier, <laughs> I don't read. I've missed a lot of books. <laughs> I I am very, very pro the, 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 the book. I think the book is the best version of it. And I have consumed all of the versions, including oh, the two radio plays. I have yet to find copies of different stage adaptations, including the opera and the ballets. <sighs> Man. That, this goes deep. But I am really into The Handmaid's Tale. I carry a copy of it with me where I go because it's like it's like my Bible. Um, <laughs> uh, so it's like, I want to start a podcast where I like read a chapter, chapter of The Handmaid's Tale each week and talk about it. But I can't do this by myself because I'll just like talk the entire time and confuse everyone. So I need like a <laughs> co-host. And so I, like, I yeah. went to Max and was like, hey, you want to start a podcast with me? Yes. I love that. I I love stuff like that because like that that's a big reason why I wanted to do this podcast yeah. as as like I don't know. I I people hate it, but I love when podcasts have like 
an ending insight. Yes. I had a previous podcast that ran for 130 something episodes and it was just kind of generic nerdy news stuff, which, you know, the internet needs more of clearly. And, um, that was fine, but we just, it was consuming a lot of time and I, it didn't have a very interesting gimmick to me. And, and this doing something like this is fun. Cause it's like after 31 yeah. days, the podcast is over entirely. And, yeah. uh, I do it. I, do, I have another it's friend. It's like an event comic. Yeah, it really is. Well, I was going to say, I have another friend who's doing, I don't know if he's still doing it, but mm-hmm. um, he's doing a, or was doing a podcast about where he and his friend would uh, read through Watchmen a page mm-hmm. at a time. And it would just be amazing. Uh, it would just be an analysis of that page. Uh, and even though that has a significantly longer end date insights <laughs> than this podcast or, or, you know, something that does like TV show episodes, which I might do something like that in the future anyway. Um, yeah. It's just that I, even just having that, you know, hundreds of episodes later, you're like, yeah, well, this is the end. Thanks for joining us. So that, that kind of thing is very, interesting exactly. how, many, how like, many chapters are in the handmaid's tale uh it's like 48 chapters nice um so it's like you know if we had like weekly episodes or bi-weekly episodes it's a little more than a year yeah um, that's good i like uh, it yeah and also that's... the handmaid's tale just has like so much going on in it um yeah that like in the chapters are like no it's like anywhere from three to like 15 pages. Like they're very short, but it's just so dense that it's perfect for a podcast. Cause you can be like, let's talk about this weird, like three lines. Yeah. Um, oh, that's fantastic. I, I will, I'm looking forward to that. I would especially yeah. love to, I mean, I'll just use that as, as an excuse to actually read through that book. Exactly. As well. Hopefully I want to I'll be done with the, the gospel. Hobbit. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, that's fantastic. Do you know and when like, you guys no are going to be starting No one has done it? a podcast about the book, The Handmaid's Tale. They're all like after the show, the show podcasts. So I'm like, all right, gotta. Look, you gotta hit that niche. You know, you yeah. gotta car- carve out that space of the internet. That's what I'm doing. Everyone was, <laughs> everyone was just waiting for a podcast about Scooby-Doo 2 Monsters Unleashed. And here I, it's like I, a, I I went to some like podcast workshop a year ago and they were like, yeah, if your podcast idea is you and your friends chatting, that's dead. Don't do it. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> gotta have like an interesting premise. I love podcasts with gimmicks. That's that's yeah. my favorite thing. Yeah. I love, I mean, because I'm even going to be doing one potentially with another friend of mine mm-hmm. where uh, The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina is about to appear. I'm on so excited. Netflix. I know, me too. And it he, looks he, so good. It looks so much fun. He proposed to that we do a podcast about that. And I know that's only going to be a couple episodes, but even still, and like, that's a classic, like that's not there will be probably dozens of podcasts about that same thing. Yeah. But the good thing is him and I already have a built-in fan base of people exactly. who will listen to us talk about anything. <laughs> uh, so, and like Sabrina still has uh, a lot of roots in the comic book world anyway. So, yeah. uh, you know, that's, that's where I'm gonna, we're going to try to do something like that. It's just weird to format it. Cause like a weekly TV show, it's like, Oh, you have an episode a week. You can do an episode of the podcast a week. If something drops on Netflix, it's like, do we do it all at once? Do we still <laughs> split it up by week? I don't know what we're going to do, but we'll figure it out. 
You just watch the entire thing in one go and then talk about it for like 10 hours and then split that up into individual episodes. Yes. That's (laughs) that drop all at once. I would just like one 10-hour podcast. Just (laughs) dropped all of the just clear your day, everybody. We're doing it. (laughs) That's fun. Do you know when you're gonna do that podcast with max i don't know it was also i'm like max we need to like hang out virtually a bunch because <laughs> yeah. i've never spoken to him before wait really yeah we've only twitter dm'd wow um yeah you get like, that would probably be the first thing make sure that yeah. you have good rapport back and forth <laughs> Like the closest we found is that he was live streaming once and I was one of the three people watching his live stream and he was responding to things I was saying in the chat. And I'm like, this is pretty close to talking to someone and I'm behaving as though we're Skyping and this is weird. <laughs> yeah, he's a, I mean, he's a great kid. So yeah. I call, I call and- him a kid. I, I don't actually know how old he is, but I feel like I'm older than he is. <laughs> He's I like just refer to like 20. all like wholesome guys as just like what a wholesome boy. Yeah, he's exactly. older than me. Like he's like at least three or four years older than me. Is he really? Yeah. Uh, what? Well, because he's graduated college. He yeah, that's and fair. I'm only twenty, so. Oh okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's. I guess that would make me older than him, though. So that's good. I feel better about calling him a kid now. <laughs> I always just assume I'm the youngest one in the room, but I feel like now that I'm approaching my late twenties, I have to stop thinking of myself that way. <laughs> Something I turned 26 this year. And immediately once that happened, I was like, Oh, I'm an old man now. huh? <laughs> I'm an old wrinkly, gross man. <laughs> I felt that way about like turning 20. So like, oh, I was yeah. like this is just never going to go away. Is it? yep that's well for me it's great though because i've always had this idea that i i I can't wait to get old and Mm -hmm. and wrinkly and and you know i don't know i've always had that idea in my head where like i would just be a great old person like it's it's my goal in life to just i just want to be allowed to have really outlandish glasses i feel like if you're an old lady you get to have really weird glasses and if i wear really weird glasses i just look like i'm trying too hard yeah That's fair. I I will say, I don't know. There's not a whole lot of like grandpa things that I can think about doing other than just like, I don't know, mumbling something to like yelling at clouds, yelling at clouds, classic grandpa stuff. Yeah. Kind of being rude to my future grandkids, but it's like, it's fine. Cause like, I'm an old man, (laughs) you know, grandpa things. Yeah. Write me a list of grandpa things I can do. Send it to me on Twitter. I'd appreciate it. We'll read it off in future episodes. We won't. I'll do the... Well, there's old man Wickles from this movie when he's like, darn bushes yowling at me again. Like, that's yes. that's how I want to be. Just kind of like on the verge of like... I just, just want to tell transition into old man Wickles. I really do. Have be- you seen his outfits? He wears like a full red suit. It's yes. amazing. <laughs> i'm a fan and then the later scene he wears a full green one he's you know he's styling and i appreciate that you get to be in adaptations of my fair lady that's right but i don't get to be the uh, you don't get to be eliza i don't get to be eliza you know it's there's just so much going on in this movie when it comes to gender that it's just like what is happening 
And then another fan pointed out that that is supposed to be a clue. The fact that Jacobo played uh, Eliza. Was supposed no, to be it's a clue not a clue. Like, it's not a clue. It's not. It's, okay? it's a setup for the joke that he was playing Eliza because when it's first introduced, we don't know that he's playing Eliza. Mm-hmm. And it's like the the way they position it, it's like, oh, he got passed over for like Henry Higgins or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because they even include like the whole bit about like, you stole my tater tots yeah. as well. And it's in that same breath almost. It's just, I don't know. I, I love this movie is a part of my life now. And I feel like I want to give it as much credit as possible. But like, holy cow. Have you seen the early 2000s movie Zoom? Oh God! It's a Tim I, Allen uh, yeah, superhero, superhero movie. Mm-hmm. I I know of it. I've not seen it. It, does, it also has Spencer Breslin in it, doesn't it? Or am I making? I don't know who up? Spencer Breslin is, so maybe. Oh, okay, never mind. <laughs> Pretend I'm correct. All right. <laughs> yeah, I have no idea. Definitely. I've not seen it. Yeah, of course. Everyone remembers Spencer Breslin's biggest role, Zoom. Uh, <laughs> classic. No, what, <laughs> sorry. What were you going to say about Zoom? It's like I. I I watched it um, like last year with a friend of mine. It's just so weird and bad in like a similar way to this movie. Um, and there's like a bit where one of the the um, main characters, who's like an old man, says to the other, "Like, what are you gay?" And I'm like, "What's happening? This is a children's movie." Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's certainly a sign of the times that that was an okay thing to to just throw out there yeah, yeah. i feel like uh, that was around the same oh, i think i just and I there's think like it, yeah. solitary confinement and it's just like played for jokes that they're throwing these children in solitary confinement oh god no <laughs> that was around the same time that like sky high came out right it was like yeah. i think because i think zoom was supposed to be an answer to sky high like but sky yeah, high is like better that? Have yeah, you Sky High's seen way better. The video essay arguing that um, Sky High is fascist. No, it's I really good. Also, because it references one? liberal fascism, which my boyfriend is having me read. He says he'll read <laughs> The Handmaid's Tale. He has yet to start The Handmaid's Tale. I've read the first thirty pages of liberal fascism. When are you going to do it, Alex? When are you going to do it? When are you going to do it? Calling you out, Alex, <laughs> right here on this podcast. If you listen an hour or so in, get <laughs> yeah. on it. Well, I'm on it, so he'll listen an hour or so in. There you go. Fantastic. Uh, yeah, like, I feel like... Uh, who Who's that by, that, that video essay? I gotta oh, I can't remember up. his name. I'll look it up. Um, I'll, I'll, I was gonna I'm say pretty I'll sure Google he's the only one to make a video essay about Sky High being fascist, so if you search Sky High and fascism, he'll pop up. It's probably the one, if I would <laughs> yeah. imagine so. Uh, fantastic. I feel like we, we jumped all over the place with this, but I, I had a fun time. It was Same. a grand old time. Uh, thank you so much for being on and tangentially talking about Scooby-Doo 2 Monsters Unleashed. <laughs> <laughs> Where can people find uh, you and your stuff on the internet if they wish to do so? Uh, so my YouTube channel is called Sappho of Lesbos, like the Greek poet. Um, I, my Twitter handle is uh, at the muse Sappho, and that is the same for my Instagram. I'm really into vintage fashion, so I sometimes post stuff of my outfits there if you're interested in that um yeah sometimes i write articles but they're never on like a single site so there's nowhere to ah 
something to that. Yeah. I imagine you just tweet about it or yeah. something. Yeah. So follow me on Twitter, please. Follow, follow it. We'll have all those links in the uh, description or the show notes of this episode. If you want to go check them out. Uh, and also for, if you wish to follow me, uh, I'm at Scott Nicewander on Twitter and on Instagram. I don't post vintage fashion photos of myself. Uh, well, that's not entirely true. I do have one where I'm, I look like I'm a newsboy from the 1920s. So if that's your thing, everybody (laughs) go check it out. There was a a period of time where I was, uh, very much into like a, a newsboy cap and I would wear it constantly. I feel Um, like that's a good look for you. Thank you. I thought so too. Some people think a lot of my fans think so, but then I also have a ton of comments from people saying, Hey, that hat is really ridiculous. Please stop wearing it. <laughs> so I've, I've not worn it in, a, in quite a while. Uh, I, you know, it was, my, it was a transition period because I, I had uh, cut all of my hair off because mm-hmm. I, I, it, was, it was partly because I never liked my hair. I mm-hmm. never liked the way it grew in. And also partly because I'm an old man now and, I need, oh. and I'm, I'm balding. So I was like, let's just, let's just embrace it, cut it all off. And I didn't like the way I looked. So I was like, let's just put a hat on here for right now. <laughs> As I as I warm up to it, but nowadays I'm just like, eh, it's whatever. It's, nice. it's how I look. You've, you've now. just gone full Patrick Stewart. That's exactly right, and uh, I think one of us looks better than the other one. Patrick Stewart oh. does. It's he's he's great. He looks great in his he's, he's still. So great. He's he's pretty good. No one can compete with that. So yeah. I'm not even gonna. Well, but like try. you know. He's 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 a, a bald man icon. He normalized yes. being a bald man. Like That's true. He was he looked like he was in his 50s or 60s when he was in his 20s yeah. so now it just looks like he doesn't age at all which exactly. i think is that's the route to go and hopefully <laughs> i get to follow in those footsteps someday in his exact footsteps i also want to star in a very popular sci-fi series <laughs> and then a series of movies where i play a comic book character so uh, it's the dream it's the dream he's li- living the only dream that everyone <laughs> wants to follow so good on you Good on you, Patrick Stewart. Um, well, that's it. Uh, thank you, Patrick Stewart, I guess. And uh, <laughs> would you like to end this podcast with me as we do our All best right. Scooby Dooby Doo? Okay. You sound reluctant, hesitant. No, I'm, I'm, I'm in. Yeah? You don't have yeah. to. It's not mandatory. <laughs> no. One in Rome. We're going to do it. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I'm forcing you to do this. I feel like a bad person. <laughs> no. No, 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 this, this is fun. I, I, I'm in, I'm in. Okay, <laughs> okay. here we go. Scooby-Dooby-Doo! Dooby-Dooby!